Hi, this is Felix Chimeranyika, lead pastor of Kairos Christian Center in Lilonga, Malawi. I'm happy that you've joined us for the Kairos Lilonga podcast, and I believe God is going to inspire you and break you through into your kingdom destiny as you hear the word unpack. This is your Kairos moment, God's appointed season for your kingdom breakthrough. Chariots of fire. Chariots of fire. Any society that is unable to train its next generation is doomed to not progressing. Any society, or let's say even any family, that is unable to train the next generation is doomed to the same level. It is only in training the next generation, only in mentoring, that there is forward progress. And I'm sure you'd agree with me that in our society, by and large, we are not really good at doing that. We're not good at passing on to the next generation. So you have this big Malawian business person that has, you know, that, that has grown a business from nothing and made something of himself or herself. Usually it's himself. And then that person dies and that pretty much is the end of that business empire. So the, the property is sold, the things are sold, and it's almost like the next generation starts from scratch all over again. It doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't have to be like that. In fact, if we understand discipleship properly from our Christian perspective, we'll understand that discipleship, or we can say fathering, is something that is built into the faith, is built into life. So in other words, we should be at a point that we understand and appreciate the fact that this generation must help the next generation to move into its destiny in God. In fact, this passage is reminding us that God gives faithful sons their inheritance of their fathers. Tell your neighbor, God gives faithful sons the inheritance of their fathers. Tell the other neighbor, God gives faithful sons the inheritance of their fathers. But how does that happen? What comes into play? What things come into play for there to be this blessing from God, this giving of God or giving to faithful sons the inheritance of their fathers? I believe there are four concepts we must understand, things that we see in this passage. Number one, I want you to watch the loyalty of faithful sons. The loyalty of faithful sons. So verse number one, we're told, Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Now this is the second time that we're hearing very much about Elisha. Elisha comes into the life of Elijah in chapter number 19. Remember chapter number 19, Elijah had, had burnt out. Elijah had burnt out. Things had gotten really tough for him. And he goes to God and says, I'm the only one that is left of all the prophets of God. And so just kill me, I want to die. Burnt out. Too much work, no rest. And that's when God said to him, listen, I want you to anoint Elisha as prophet after you. And so the time has come then that there should be this transitioning, this moving from one generation to the next generation. This moving from Elijah to Elisha. And I'm sure it is not lost out on Elijah. It doesn't seem to be something that all everybody else, all the prophets do not understand. Because the sons of the prophets are basically saying, listen, Elisha, you, the, the Lord is going to take your master from over you. Isn't it? And so then, Elijah must know that this is the day that he's going. I mean, his mission is accomplished. There really isn't anything else that God has sent him that he should go and do. Or is that the case? Or could it be that this is the time that God is saying to Elijah, okay, I want you to get this Elisha ready for his next level. 
See, the older generation, it's their responsibility to get to take the, the younger generation into the next level to get them ready for the next level. And so that day has come. And so we're told that they're on the way from Gilgal. Now, we don't know which Gilgal this one is because there seems to be several Gilgals. But the, the Gilgal that is known is a Gilgal at which Joshua and the children of Israel, when they had crossed over the Jordan, had, had stopped in that place and renewed covenant with God by circumcising all the children of Israel who had not been circumcised because they had been born in the desert. And so Gilgal could be that place where, in fact, was that place where there was covenant renewal, where the people of God were coming back to God and renewing their vows before God and saying, we are your people, we are here to bring your purposes in the earth. And so that place was called Gilgal, the rolling away, because there the children of Israel were circumcised and there the rolling away figuratively of their foreskins. That's a Bible, not me. But I want you to watch again at Gilgal. It was also the place where Israel, after they had crossed the Jordan, and there had been these 12 stones that had been put in the Jordan as a memorial for Israel, that you crossed over on dry, on dry land when, they, when the Lord took you through Jordan, and so that it was understood too that a Gilgal would be a set of stones, a set of memorial stones, memorial of what God had done. And I want you to watch what Elijah is doing. It seems Elijah is taking Elisha through these different places and through these places that are pregnant with covenant meaning. So he says in verse number 2, And Elijah said to Elisha, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. Now, Elisha is Elijah's assistant. Chola boy. The one who goes wherever... Elijah goes but Elijah now is saying no 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 I don't want you to come with me the Lord has sent me somewhere so stay here but Elijah said as the Lord lives and as you yourself live I will not leave you so they went down to Bethel I don't know if you're watching this Elisha guy this Elisha guy understands I am called to this man even when God, even if this man says that God has told him that he should go down somewhere, if he's going down somewhere, I must go down with him because God has called me to stand with this man. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, I tell you, that's something that is hard today, isn't it? Very hard today to understand that. Listen, God has called me to be number two. Everybody wants to be number one. Everybody wants to drive MG1. Is there such a thing, MG1? It's MG2 for the vice president. MG1 has no number plate, right? Just a symbol of a lion. Hallelujah. Glory. But watch. He goes on. He went, they go on to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take your master from over you? And he said, Yes, I know it. Keep quiet. So there is the realization in Elisha's heart. That today the boss is going now I don't think Elijah or Elisha is like some people that are just waiting for the boss to go oh let him retire let him retire because when he retires it means I'm going to ascend and I'll be the next guy I'll be the next number one uh -uh. I think there's a bond here between Elisha and Elijah so sure enough they get to Bethel Bethel 
Beth L L God Beth Bet House House of God that's a place where Jacob running away from his brother got down to sleep on a rock and he had a dream and there were ladders there was a ladder from heaven and angels descending and ascending and he wakes up in the morning he says my 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 this must be the house of God and he makes a vow that he says Lord if you if you help me to come back to my father's house and you give me stuff and you prosper me I'm gonna give you a tithe a ten percent of all that you give me a lot of people say the tithe starts with the law of Moses it doesn't start with the law of Moses Bethel house of God a place where uh, Jacob encountered God and in a sense it's almost like I don't know what's going on there but in the history of Israel and knowing Elijah is a covenant person is a covenant prosecutor he is a prophet and knowing that about Elijah probably Elijah is reminding Elisha about these places and about how he should go about doing his ministry this is the house of God you need an encounter with God you must have an encounter with God see if you have never had an encounter with God you can never follow God let me say that again. If you have never met God, you will not follow God. You will act like you're following God, but you're not going to follow God. Because I tell you, there are some momentous occasions that happen in our lives where when we encounter God, where when we come into an experience with God, it forever changes us. That's what changed Jacob. He came at a point of understanding, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a person that God has made a covenant to. Of course for Jacob that wasn't the only place there was also the time when he is actually returning and he wrestles with God and when he wrestles with God and he says I will not leave you until you bless me and God says okay from now onwards you are you are Israel Israel you are prince with God you're a prince now amen loyalty He's been taught these things. He's been shown these things. Watch. In verse number 4, it says, Elijah said to, Elisha, said to him, Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Now, Jericho is that first city that Israel took. The biggest city in the land. And it's just so like God. See, God is not about small things. God is not about small things. No, no, no. God is about big things. And so here is this ragtag army of 20-something-year-olds. Did you know the army that Joshua took into the promised land was 20-something-year-olds? They were born in the desert. Probably none of them was, was over 40 years old. Probably it was, just, it was just Joshua and Caleb that were 40-something. But everybody else was young. They'd never fought a battle. They just didn't know how to conquer cities. And yet God says, okay, you've crossed the Jordan, you've come into the promised land, you are going to get this big city, this Jericho, so big with fortified walls, and those walls so thick, two chariots could pass each other on the walls. And God says, that's the one I want you to take. Hallelujah. And you know how they took that city? Crazy way. God says, much around that city, seven days. Shove the Levites in front of you, blowing trumpets. And then the seventh day, when they blow the, the trumpet seven times, there's going to be a shout and the walls are going to come down. <laughs> I mean, who would believe that? It must be God. And so it happened and they took that city. 
But that city was a city that belonged to God. Nobody was supposed to take anything from that city, even though somebody did. And here's a reminder as Elisha is going with Elijah and, 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 and I'm sure they come to Jericho. That's a story that is remembered, the victory of God. The victory of God. See, fathers, spiritual fathers, teach their spiritual sons about the victories that they have experienced that are coming out of their inheritance, out of their tradition. Because if the son does not understand where we have come from, how will the son understand where we're going? If you don't know where you have come from, how will you know where you're going? And so again, the sons of the prophets, they come. Who are the sons of the prophets? So is it that there were these prophets that, you know, had so many wives and had so many children? No. The sons of the prophets really are the, those that the prophets have called in as their spiritual sons. And so probably also here is, is the understanding that there were schools of prophets. Yes, there are schools of prophets. So there were schools of prophets where Elijah had, which had connections with Elijah. And schools of prophets that were God-fearing prophets. Because they're also hearing from God. They're saying, listen, your, your master is going to be taken from over you. Then we're told, verse number 6, then Elijah said to him, please stay here for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Now, you know, the Jordan, the Jordan is a river that borders the, 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 the promised land. And in a sense here, what Elijah is doing, he's retracing back the steps of Israel back to the Jordan. And we shall see they're going to cross the Jordan and Elijah is going to retrace back the steps of Israel into the promised land. So the Jordan, the place where God parted the Jordan River when it was in full swing parted it the waters stopped somewhere and Israel passed over dry ground and they put stones in their memorial stones and on each on each and every one of the 12 stones that were uh, that were there there was the name of the of the sons of Israel or a son of Israel and so they cross verse number 7 50 men of the sons of the prophets also went and stood at some distance from them as they both were standing by the Jordan so there are these 50 prophets that are watching okay so what's going to happen next then Elijah took his clock and rolled it up and struck the, and struck the water. And the water was parted to, to one side and to the other till the two of them could go over on dry land. So watch. Elijah performs a miracle. The water splits. They cross over on dry land. See, if Elisha was not loyal, Elisha would not have seen that. If Elisha didn't say, I really want to follow you. I'm not going to leave you. I know my job is to assist you. I'm not going to stop doing anything like that. Elisha would not have seen the power of God. It's the loyal ones that experience that enter into the blessing of the Father. Hallelujah. So Paul can talk about Timothy. He says, you have seen my persecution. You have seen my, you, you, you know my persecution. You know my aim in life. You know my purpose in life. You know everything about me. So he's speaking to him as his son. Sons are loyal. Church. See, we live in a disloyal society. Brother Chip was just sharing with me about some big business person in a long way. 
owns a lot of stuff. And he, he said, I want to give back to Malawi because I've amassed all this from here. And so I, I, want, I, I want to find a Malawian that I can give my, my shop to. I'll give them the shop and then they're going to you know, prosper and hopefully one day they'll also give somebody. When they grow big. Say this man had his Malawian connections. Heard this one talk, heard that one talk and how they were backbiting each other and saying nasty things about each other. He gave up. He said, I'm not going to give it to a Malawian because these Malawians don't love each other. Because I'm doing this out of love and I'm expecting that the person that I give this to, when they blow up, when God blesses them, they too are going to do the very same thing for somebody. Disloyalty. Friend, are you loyal? Are you loyal? Are you loyal? God expects you to be loyal. The way that you tap into the previous generation is your loyalty. You're serving them. The way that you are going to be blessed by God in the house of God is by serving in the house of God, being loyal to the house of God. Listen, God down here is, in a sense, God's presence down here is in His church. We are the temple of God, isn't it? In the Old Testament, you had a temple. In the New Testament, it's the church. The church is the vehicle that God has put in the earth to bring about His purposes in the earth. And so when we come together like this, we're not just coming together so that, you know, we are like, oh, people of the same mind or same education, whatever, class, whatever. No, 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 no. We're coming together to bring about the purposes of God. And God expects you that you be loyal to the work that God has set you to be a part of. First thing that we see is the loyalty of faithful sons. Number two, I want you to watch the availability of faithful sons. The availability of faithful sons. Look, uh, watch with me, verse number nine. And when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I shall do for you before I'm taken from you. Why is Elijah saying that now? Why didn't he say it at the very beginning? I'm being taken away from you. What do you want from me? No, Elisha must prove himself. Elisha must prove himself that he's not just doing this because, you know, he's got some guilty feeling. You know, some people have guilty feelings that I should be serving God more because, I, because he did this for me and did that for me. But not really from their heart. Hallelujah. Do you know people can serve God from their woundedness? Because they have some insecurity. And so they feel like if they do this particular thing for God, then, they, then their insecurity is going to go away. No, it doesn't work like that. He has been with Elijah. He has been loyal. Now he is available. And he is available at the right time. And so that's when Elijah says, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken for you. Listen, when the, when, when, when the man of God is dying, I tell you, oh, he's going, that is a powerful time. Because every time in the scriptures when, when somebody, a man of God, is dying, there is a passing on of the, of the generation of blessing, isn't it? When Jacob is about to die, he calls his sons and he blesses them, right? Yes, that's the way it works. When Isaac is about to die, he calls his sons, or he's the son that he wants to bless, and blesses him. And so that's what's happening here. This man is available at the time of the blessing. 
And Elisha said, please let there be a double portion of your spirit upon me. Now a double portion is only for the firstborn. Only the firstborn in a Jewish family gets a double portion. He gets his portion and also takes a portion of the, of the father. And so here, Elisha is basically saying, I see myself as your firstborn. And so I want your inheritance and I also want my inheritance. And so give me a double portion. And he said, verse number 10, you have asked a hard thing. Yet if you see me as I'm being taken from you, it shall be so for you. If you but if you do not see me, it shall not be so. So if you see me, it means you shall get it. If you don't see me, you don't see me, it's gone. Verse number 11. And as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up in a whirlwind into heaven, and Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and his horsemen. And he saw him no more. What's happening? God is about to take his man. This man is not going to die. This man is going to get ruptured. There's only one other person that did not die. Enoch. Enoch was, so, was such homies with God, close with God, that God just took him. And so here's another rupture that happens. Chariots of fire. Horses of fire. Oh, speaking about the, the glory, the presence of God. So God has come and taken him in a whirlwind. And so we're told, then he took hold of his clothes and tore them in two pieces. It's sad. It's a sign of mourning, tore them in two pieces, and he took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and went and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water, saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, the water was parted the one side and to the other, and Elijah and Elisha went over. So he's on the other side of the Jordan, isn't it? They had crossed over with Elijah. He had parted the sea, I mean the, the Jordan right so now he's coming back and so to prove that the the god of elijah is still with me or that that double portion anointing i have been given he strikes the jordan it parts he was available he was available you know sometimes church people want church positions without being available that somehow they think somehow that, you know, that they somehow deserve. They're better than so-and-so and better than so-and-so. And so they should be chosen in this particular position or pastor should put them in this particular role. But they're never there. Somebody who's never there is somebody who is not committed. A person who is there is somebody who is committed. Please understand that it's a spiritual principle. You give your time to the things that you value. Isn't it? The things that you value, you give your time. You know, there are some people that will call you any time of the day, any time of the night. You leave everything, you go. Why? Because you value them. You are available for them. Friend, listen. If God is going to bless you through the older generation, you must be available. You must be available for them. If you are not available for them, you are not going to enter into that blessing. I said four things. Four things that happened here. Uh, number one, I, had, I have said the loyalty of faithful sons. Number two, I want you to see the availability of faithful sons. Oh, the availability of faithful sons, what I've said. Number three, the identity of faithful sons. Watch again. In verse number 15. 
Now the sons of the prophets who are Jericho saw him opposite them. They said, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. They, everybody saw that, listen, uh, what Elijah did, what Elisha has done, very same thing. So the spirit of Elijah now rests on Elisha. Now the identity that Elisha has is the identity of Elijah. And yes, when that clock was thrown, when he tore his clothes, he put on the mantle of Elijah. He took on the identity of Elijah. See, fathers, sons, in the natural, they, they share DNA, isn't it? The DNA of the father is the DNA of the son. They share DNA. And so when you see the son, you, you will see resemblances of the father, is it not? Spiritually, I think it's the same thing too. That when you see the son, you will see the father spiritually because they, they, they share spiritual DNA. That's why Paul, when he's writing to the, to, 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 to the Philippians, he basically says, in fact, the, the, the Corinthians, he basically says, listen, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And that's why I'm sending to you Timothy, my son, who will teach you all my ways. In other words, Timothy coming there is as good as me being there. Because Timothy understands me. He knows what I'm about. He knows how I would react to situations that are there. Because he has been available for me. He has been loyal to me. There has been an impartation from me to him. Do you know there are some things you can never be taught? Some things are just caught. Tell your neighbor, some things can't be taught. Tell them some things can only be caught. That's why availability is very important. Do you know you've, I'm sure you've stayed with some people or hung out with some people that think a different way, that kind of like impress you the way that they think. And after a while you find, out, you find that you're actually talking like them. Ever been in that situation? Yes. yes, it's impartation. You have caught it. Nobody needed to teach you that, oh, you say it like this, you do it like that, you do it like that. No, 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 you just caught it. And that's what has happened with Elisha and Elijah. Elisha and Elijah have been so close together that there is an impartation coming from Elijah to Elisha. The DNA of Elijah is the DNA of Elisha. And they say to him, verse number 16, Behold, now they are with your servants, 50 strong men. Please let them go and seek your master. It may be that the Spirit of the Lord has caught him up and cast him upon some mountain or into some valley. And he said, You shall not send. But when they urged him till he was ashamed, he said, Send. They sent th therefore 50 men. And for three days they sought him, but did not find him. And they came back to him while he was staying at Jericho. And he said to them, Did I not say to you, Do not go? I told you so. Elisha understood. Listen. My master is gone. He is gone. God has taken him. No need to be looking for him because you're not, you're just not going to find him. Let me ask you. Whose son are you? Whose son are you? We shall know whose son you are by the things that you do. You know that? When you go to the village, they don't know you because you've always been in town. They ask you, so whose son are you? And you're thinking, oh, but you know, that's, that's really useless. No, it's not useless. Because when we know who your father is, we know what to expect from you.
When you go with that girl to say, oh, I want to get married to this girl, they, 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 they first of all ask, whose daughter is she? Whose daughter is she? Whose son is he? Because when we know who the father is, we know what to expect of that person. Ask your neighbor, whose son are you? Do you know we're all sons in Christ? In Christ, there's no male, no female. Amen. In Christ, we all have an inheritance. Amen. In Christ, we're all sons. We all have an inheritance because the sons are the ones that get an inheritance, isn't it? And so, we're all sons in Christ. And so, the question is, whose son are you? And ask him, do you act like your father? Do you act like your father? You go somewhere and they start saying, Hey, you say you go to Kairos, you? Hmm, we don't think so. Amen. Amen, sister. The loyalty of faithful sons, the availability of faithful sons, the identity of faithful sons, and then finally the authority of faithful sons. Now here's something that the author of the book of Kings is showing us. He starts showing us that the authority that was on Elijah has now transferred to Elisha. Verse number 19. Now the men of the city say to Elisha, Behold, the situation of this city is pleasant, as my Lord sees, but the water is bad, and the land is unfruitful. And he said, Bring me a new bowl and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then he went to the spring of water and threw salt in it. Thus says the Lord, I have healed this water. From now on, neither death nor miscarriage shall come from it. What's happening here? Is, it, is the power in the salt? Is here, do we here find a doctrine of the covenant of salt? Have you ever heard some churches do covenant of salt? So every Sunday, next Sunday, it's, it's covenant of salt Sunday. So everybody brings salt to church. And they pray over the salt. And they put it in whatever it is. And then it's supposed to be to bring some magical thing. Nonsense. It's not the salt. The salt is just symbolic of what God is going to do by healing that water. And so the water source of this city gets healed. In other words, this water becomes drinkable now. And he gives a word. Thus says the Lord, I have healed this water. From now on, neither death nor miscarriage shall come from it. So from this water, from the drinking of this water, if this water was cursed, from now onward, it's going to be a blessing. And it's going to be a blessing that brings fruitfulness even to the womb. Now I want you to watch. Because the original person that had petitioned Elisha had said that the land is unfruitful. The land is unfruitful. And so with the, with the healing of this water, there's going to be the healing of the land. And there's going to be fruitfulness coming from the land. And I'm sure too fruitfulness coming from the people in the land. So the water has been healed to this day according to the word that Elijah spoke. What's happening? Elijah has authority. Elisha has authority. Elisha has authority. Where is this authority coming from? It's coming from serving. Hallelujah. You know some things in the natural. Just think in the natural. Say you are serving this person that is a business person. 
So you are the chola boy, the, the, the runaround boy that, that, that gets done, things done for this business person. And you are with this business person for, for 20 years, say, for example. Do you know you know all his contacts? Automatic. You know all his contacts. You know what he does. You even know how he got to where he got to. And so that instead of you running off and saying, I'm going to start my business, I'm going to start my business, why don't you serve somebody? How many? Why don't you serve somebody? Because business is not a matter of having capital, you know. Eh? Some people think, if I can just get 250,000 kwacha, if I can just get 10 million kwacha, then I can do this. No, it's more than that. It's more than that. There is a character and a lifestyle to doing business. That's why a lot of people get money and they say they're going to start a business. Nothing happens. Give them another year. Money that they had borrowed from the bank, now they're running away from the bank. Amen. Learn from somebody. I tell you, when you learn from somebody, you, hey, you learn lessons you wouldn't have known. You catch things you wouldn't have caught because these things are never taught in an MBA class. You know, some of the richest people have, don't even have a business degree, right? Yeah. I want to be a businessman, so I'm going to start Bachelor of Business Administration. Verse number 23. He went up from there to Bethel, and he was going up on the way. Some small boys came out of the city and jeered at him, saying, Go up, you bald head! Go up, you bald head! And he turned around, and he saw them. He cursed them in the name of the Lord. And, the, and two sheep bears came out of the woods and tore 42 of the boys. Now, you're thinking... Mm. Mm, man of God, five-year-olds, they're just having fun. Why would you want to kill them? What kind of God is it that you serve? The word for small boys can actually mean anybody from the age of 15 all the way to 30. Now we're told that 42 of them were killed, isn't it? So this must have been a very big crowd. This was a big crowd. And we know something about Bethel. Bethel at this point in time is a place for Baal worship and Asherah worship. It's a place where Je Jeroboam had set up worship to a false god. And so we know that this is a place where there is animosity against God and animosity against the people of God. Now, small kids or kids, even if you think of it that way, in a small, in a, in a large group are dangerous. Shouldn't be saying that. Sister Matilda, four or five weeks ago, after praise team worship, was walking down the, the bridge. She met kids, small kids, who assaulted her. Not bad, just, just took away her phone or something like that. Small kids. Do you know this town gets dangerous in the night because of street kids? So don't you be thinking that, oh, you know, these are small, innocent boys. No, no, no. These are people in their teens and probably in their 20s. And this is a whole bunch of people. And you know what happens when people are in a crowd. Right? You know what happens when people are in a crowd. They get crazy. They probably may have killed Elisha. But Elisha is a representative of God. And God will protect his people, will protect his person. And so when he pronounces that curse, two sheep bears, they come in and they protect him. 42 of them get killed. And guess what? Everybody knows, don't mess with Elisha. Elisha has authority. 
the authority of Elijah is now resting on Elisha. And true enough, he goes on from the verse number 25. From there, he went on to Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel, the place where Elijah had asked for fire to come from heaven and it came. Where 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah were slaughtered, were killed. He's retracing his steps. And then from there, he returns to Samaria. Where now, he's going to take on his position as the prophet, the chief prophet of the day. The authority Elisha has is authority that has come from Elijah. With God, he sets authority. And God is the one that promotes. The psalmist says promotion neither comes from the east nor from the west or from the north or from the south. Promotion comes from God. It is God who puts up one and God who sits down the other. If you want to be promoted the, the way that God promotes, my friend, these are the principles. These are the principles of promotion. You serve a father because God has blessed the previous generation so that the, this generation can stand on the blessings of the previous generation and take those blessings to the next level. Some of you, you're fooled. You think, oh, you know, I can just make a lot of money right now. In six months, whatever, I'll make a lot of money. Some of the people you're competing with have been in business the past hundred years. They're generations of business families. And their money has accumulated. What am I saying? As it is in the spiritual, I mean, as it is in the physical, it also is in the spiritual. In the spiritual, you want to accumulate capital, you serve somebody. Serve somebody. Serve somebody because when you do that, you are doing it the way that God expects you to do it. When you find somebody that say they're a man of God, pastor, apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher, and there's nobody behind them that they have served, and nobody who has released them to go and do what they're saying that they're doing in terms of ministry, don't follow them. Don't follow them. Because the pattern of God is God has this generation take care of the next generation and blesses this generation on the basis of their loyalty to the previous generation. Oh, but you know, there are powerful things happening there. Powerful things happen at the Sinanga, my friend. At the witch doctors, there are powerful things that happen. So it's not about powerful things. It's about the character. Because God wants us to be conformed to the image of his son. It's the character that God is after. May it sink in your life that God has set authorities over you that are going to help you to move forward to the next level. Where you're going, you probably have not gone. I mean, if it's of God, if what you're doing is of God, you probably have not gone there. And you need somebody that can help you to go there. Oh no, but God is just going to lead me by, by, by himself like he led Moses. Yeah, there was nobody before Moses, was there? Right? Or like Elijah. Well, what happens with Elisha? Elisha is taken care of by Elijah, isn't it? Today we have the church. We have people. We have pastors. We, we have cell leaders. We have all sorts of people in the church that have gone on ahead before you. It's only the proud and the arrogant that will say, I do not need to learn from anybody. Don't stop your movement forward by being arrogant tell your neighbor don't stop your movement forward
Thank you for listening to the Kairos Lolongwe podcast. I trust you've been blessed. Please do us a favor and share this podcast with friends on Facebook, Twitter, WhatsApp, and whatever social media you're on. May the Lord break you through into your kingdom destiny. Blessings.